Hey everybody, welcome back to Your Wrong. Uh, we're continuing in our our Star Wars review. Um, so, Luciano, what is everybody wrong about this time? Well, Matt, everybody continues to be wrong about the season two of The Mandalorian. Um, well, you know, hopefully they're not wrong, but I mean, we know better. They're probably wrong. They're they're like they're right at a high level of this is awesome. But below that level, they're definitely wrong on many, many things. Yeah, and definitely wrong, you know, if they think this is not awesome because, come on. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Anyway, so picking up from where we left uh, in the last episode, uh, we are coming up to chapter 13 or, you know, uh, episode 5 of the second season uh, named The Jedi. And so finally, uh, Mando and Grogu arrive at... Corvus, the planet Corvus, uh, specifically the city of Caladan, um, where they're going to find the Jedi that Mando thinks is Grogu's people. And in, uh, if you guys remember from last time, it was Bo-Katan that told him of Ahsoka being in this planet. And so he's there to try to find Ahsoka. Um, when they get there... Um, well, even before they get there, we see that there, you know, there's some beef between Ahsoka and the the magistrate of the city. I think her name is uh, Morgan Elsbeth. Yes. Yeah. I find very non Star Wars name is like a very normal name. Yeah. Shocking, right? Ahsoka Tano. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or Din Jarin. Yeah. But and so they have beef because apparently this uh, magistrate is, a, I think the technical term is a bitch, but we leave it, you know. I don't. I, I, I don't, don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we use that term anymore. <laughs> a difficult person. Uh, okay. Uh, Frustrating. Let's go, maybe. let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah. A not nice individual, and um, basically she has the the whole city in almost like a slavery situation where, you know, anybody that speaks up against her gets put into prison, and it, the prison isn't just like a cell; it's like a to get you know, displayed in front of her castle, palace, whatever that is. Yeah. And, and like in a, almost in a, like a torture chamber sort of situation where if they move, they get shocked. And so Ahsoka is determined to free the city from, from her. Um, and when L- Mando lands, he goes into the city and the magistrate actually hires him as a bounty hunter to kill Ahsoka, which mm-hmm. he accepts. Especially because she's she's off, she offers him a Beskar, a, a, like a um, how do they call it a pure Beskar steel spear, right? Yeah. Um, and so she says, "This can be yours if you if you kill Ahsoka." And so he goes after her. Um, they fight a little bit. It's kind of reminiscent of the way that he meets Kara uh, on Episode Four or in Chapter Four. Is mm-hmm. uh, like they butt heads, but then he's like, "Those wait, 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 let's not fight." Right. And and we finally learn, I, I kinda spoiled it, but we finally learn Baby Yoda's name, which is Grogu. And and I thought it was a really interesting way of providing the name without it being super contrived. It's like, yeah, yeah I communed with him. Like t- we, we spoke in in a mentally. Mm-hmm. And I that's his name. And I really like, and we will talk about this a little bit more. I like I really like the the little details of him saying his name going Grogu and then the, and the baby turns. I, I find yeah. it really nice. And so <laughs> they team up to, you know, he wants 
uh, Ahsoka to train Grogu. She tries to test his powers. She's, you know, seems kind of reticent to do that, especially because he has too much of a, of a connection to Mando, she says. But so they team up. Um, my, uh, Ahsoka pretends she killed Mando to get in and say, you know, they're, don't, don't bother sending bounty hunters after me. Right. <clears throat> and together they, they sort of, you know, defeat the magistrate and her forces. I don't want to get too far into how that happens because I want to talk about it at length when we talk about the, the episode. But basically yeah. he fights, what's his name? Uh, Lang, which is her kind of like her security officer or general or whatever. And Ahsoka finds uh, Morgan, Elsbeth. Yeah. Uh, two very cool fights, actually. Yeah. Um, and then they uh, talk. They talk some more about Grogu. Ahsoka says, "I I can't train him. Um, you know, it, that's going to lead to bad things." And she suggests Mando to take him to um, a planet called Tython, where there's like a, a Jedi temple that he could use. And while we learn that Ahsoka is really after Admiral Thrawn, if you know people that have seen uh, Rebels and Clone Wars know who Thrawn is, especially Rebels, he's one of the main antagonists there. Yeah, he's actually one of the only characters that, that from the sort of extended universe before Souls of Disney, it's been brought back into the universe because he existed in the Timothy Zahn books, and they've brought him into Rebels to to sort of refresh him in that story. Oh, cool! I didn't know that. Um, and also, he is also one of the very few non-human characters on the Empire that actually amounts to a lot. Because usually, the Empire is very like xenophobic in terms of you know only accepting humans. Um, yeah. He's a very interesting character. Very, very interesting character. And I hope he shows up on season three. Um, but basically, that's where we leave off. You know, she gives the Beskar spear to the Mandalorian and they leave to go after this uh, planet Tython to try to get Grogu to con to get in contact with a Jedi. Yeah. So I was ridiculously hyped <laughs> to see not only a Jedi in this, in this series because of how well they took on everything else, but especially Ahsoka. Okay. Why? Uh, because I love Jedi. Well, well, we know you love Luke, but no, I just love Jedi. Okay. Um, I, I I do love Luke, but like I've every single thing that that has Jedi either as you know, like a series or or a book or or video games. I always want to be the Jedi. So, I I really like the concept of the Jedi. I don't want to get too far into why because you know we don't want to be here for three hours. But yeah. But I really enjoy the the whole ethos, right? Yep. Uh, and the mythos as well, just to use two Greek words instead of just one. All the oaths, oaths, is yes, exactly. Um, I I'm not a hundred percent super happy with how Rosario Dawson portrayed Ahsoka. And what you wanna you wanna explain that in five seconds? Sure. Uh, so Ahsoka is usually she was usually a lot more uh, feisty and and impulsive and 
emotional than Ahsoka seems here. And I understand why they did what they did. I guess this is my fault for having the wrong expectations of seeing, you know, 15 or even 30 year old Ahsoka when this is really like 50 year old Ahsoka almost. If, yeah. I, if I'm doing my math right. I think you're about right. I mean, you have to remember here that uh, if you really think about sort of the, the, the space and time we're at, um, there's some stuff that happened to Ahsoka that um, may color her worldview. Yeah. I mean, it's not about worldview as much as it is about demeanor. I, I'm i used to Ahsoka, even on Rebels, where she's a lot older um, than she was on Clone Wars. But she is much more lively. Um, and here she's very ponderous, very calm. And I don't know if you know, if you've ever heard, and I, uh, even if you have, I'll explain it to our listeners. There's a concept in, in fiction. Uh, it's not just fiction, but it, it's applied a lot in fiction, which is red only, blue only. And basically what that is, is a just a juxtaposition of characters that are, you know, one, the red only is wild and passionate and feisty and impulsive where the the blue oni is like ponderous and calm and intellectual and collected right and there is an interesting sort of arc all the way from the prequels in terms of chronology to mandalorian where you know qui-gon was the blue oni to obi-wan's red oni then obi-wan is the blue oni then after he's older to anakin and then afterwards to Luke's red oni, and then Anakin becomes the the blue oni, if you can believe it, to Ahsoka's red oni throughout the whole thing. And I don't, there's nobody to be the juxtaposition to Ahsoka's blue oni now because she's very calm, very collected. She doesn't get angry. She doesn't get mad or impulsive. She this is very like cool. Right in this, and I don't, I don't see a juxtaposition to that. So that's that. I think that's why it's so weird to me. But I don't know. I, I don't. I also didn't like the way that the fights were. They felt a little slow motion. But this is really nitpicky, right? It's just me having unreasonable expectations, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think you are very un. You're very nitpicky about about things that you would have expected or hoped for. Yeah. Um. And I and realize that. Yeah, but if we if we if we sort of take a step back from what happens in terms of Ahsoka, and obviously you're bringing in a character that has a lot of meaning to a lot of people from mm-hmm. from the cartoons, yeah, and trying to show her in the story, I think they did an effective job of of showing how Jedi in the world are still very rare but very dangerous, and I really enjoyed, you know, showing her hunting down those guys in the forest and like. Yeah. killing them all like the, it was very horror-esque and creepy it's exactly what i what i wrote down both in the forest and then when they're in inside the city and there's like the one scene where she just appears behind them and just pulls the sabers apart that is very like horror movie it has this whole episode has a very like japanese eastern kind of feel to it yeah very very much so yeah and and the fight that like i said in, when i was talking about the the synopsis of the the episode um, the fight between her and Morgan is very samurai feel, like very, like even where they are, like the trees and they're be- them being that <laughs> little passageway between, uh, or, or like in the middle of that um, artificial lake or whatever it is, or that pond. It's like it's so good, like it's like okay, I someone watched you know Kurosawa 
a lot before yeah. shooting this this episode. Um. Also, the 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 and contrasting right the fight between Mando and Lang, that is a that that's just the the definition of what a a Western duel would be like in the Star Wars universe. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's so good. Like it's so they know it too. Like it, they they lean on it, and it's really nice. Yeah, they they did a really good job of of showing the different genres mixing all those genres together in this in, into the story in a way that really provided meaning and impact to to building building different characters and and their stories right so like ahsoka comes out of that sort of samurai way with morgan and that sort of sword fighting and and trying to defeat each other in that method and uh, you know it's very uh for lack of a better term it's very like rules oriented having a code and having honor yeah and, yeah and then you have the flip side of the gunslinger of him being like i don't care who wins you know i'm just gonna do my thing whatever happens happens no big deal and then at the end he tries to like murder him anyways. yeah yeah and and it's just like wait what why okay cool but like also it, it totally makes sense uh, and and mando just shoots him like like the punk he is and, and it shows the world mando <laughs> lives in and how those two different worlds how he, yeah. his world fits into the overall narrative. So that was, it was really fun uh, from that standpoint. Yeah, and I, uh, continuing with, you know, the theme that, that I mentioned um, last time, it's like in this season, you know, he's obviously going to side quests, but the side quests are leading him through the main quest, whereas it felt on the first season a little bit that, they, that he didn't really have a, a main quest because he was just like trying to run away with Baby Yoda. Let's yeah. call him Grogu because it's easier. That's fair. None of them were really side quests in in this time, in the sense no. they were last time. Yeah, it's more like the this kind of the side mission you have to take on the course of taking the main mission, which is I like it because it drives the story. It lets us see sort of different air, um, environments in the Star Wars universe, right? Yeah, uh, the planet is really cool. Like uh, Corvus is a really has a really cool dystopian weird feeling to to the planet where you know there's that city where they're in this i guess it's almost like a feudal thing where you know morgan is the the feudal lord and everybody is a vassal and they better shut up or you know get tortured yeah and outside is this inhospitable sort of dangerous um environment and in the interesting thing is the monster in that environment is ahsoka right right yes so it's, it's really neat like the way that they they put that together but yeah we have very very fun episode i wish we got to see more of ahsoka uh, throughout the the uh the rest of the episodes i understand why we didn't but i'm hoping she'll make another appearance at some point again i think it was it was a good balance of of her character and and how it how it's going to impact the world going forward yeah let's move on because this has a jedi on it and if you let me i'll just speak about it i was going to talk about her slicing that bell in half you know what let's just move on to the next episode <laughs> i mean okay but basically you talked about this episode and i didn't get to say anything i wanted to, all right so. then say it well, jesus you know, be that you way just, you just have to pretend i exist for like five minutes Anywho, i'll try um the thing, the one thing I, I think is important to talk about here more than just my need to talk is 
we find out a lot about what best car can and can't do. True. True. And and we see here them set the stage for Beskar stops the lightsabers, which mm-hmm. fine. Like I, I didn't know that, but it kind of makes sense the way it stops, you know, uh, blaster bolts and everything else. Um, and and that comes up in a couple of cases, not just Mando blocking Ahsoka's sabers, but also the fight with uh, Morgan and Ahsoka, uh, in the sense that she's using a pure Beskar spear. Um, and I, what did I wrote? It was the Beskar spear of foreshadowing destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, but it is really interesting to see Beskar and, and why it really speaks to the idea of why Mandalorians were hunting Jedi and why they were actually successful. And yeah. they didn't just, get, didn't just get murdered like every other thing we've seen fight Jedi. And and there's a nice link to, uh, I think it's, yeah, it's the last season of Clone Wars where uh, Bo-Katan says, you know, we have remnants of the time when we and the Jedi were enemies and we came up with all sorts of things to contain them. Yeah. Right. So the fact that they found a metal that can sustain, you know, the power of a lightsaber makes total sense. If, if especially if you know anything more about how antagonistic Mandalorians and Jedi were, even in the High Republic, because of Mandalorians wanting to be independent from everything else. Yeah. So it's really cool. And I also wrote it down. It's like, oh, Baskar blocks lightsabers, huh? And it doesn't even singe. I, I find that really interesting. It's not like it it barely holds on. No, it's made in the way that it, you know, you can hit it multiple times and it will still hold. I really yeah. like that. It leads me to a question for episode six. So I'll use that as a nice segue into episode six about how Beskar works or doesn't work. Go for um, it. Sorry. It's not really episode six, obviously. Uh, they're chapters. So it's chapter 14, I believe. It's still I, episode six. All right. Well, the tragedy. Um, this is actually directed by someone new, uh, Robert, Robert Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, and it really shows. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the basic, uh, so the, the synopsis of this episode is, is Mando has been told to take, uh, Grogu, who we know now as baby Yoda to the ancient temple on Tython and place him at the center. So Mando does that. It's very, fairly quick. He gets right to the point of doing that. Um, and he sets him down there. And as he sets him down, uh, Grogu kind of just hanging out and he's like, okay, you know, do your thing, bro. And then Mando notices uh, a very specific ship fly in. It's uh, what looks like Slave 1, as far as we can tell. Um, and we realize it is Slave 1 because um, Boba Fett and Fedek Shan show up. Um, and they are have been following him because Boba Fett wants his armor back. Uh, just as a, as a rem- callback to the first episode in the season, uh, Boba Fett got the armor from Cobb Vanth for killing uh, Great Dragon. Um, and so Boba Fett wants it back. We find out that uh, Django... Fett, Boba's dad, essentially, uh, was a Mandalorian foundling, and so he has some right to the armor. Um, he proves his right to the armor by uh, offering to make an exchange with uh, Mando to protect him and to fight off all the troopers that are arriving, which uh, we know Moff Gideon has sent because Moff Gideon's been tracking him, but Mando just assumes you know those those people are coming to... to who knows how they found him. Um... We see Boba Fett, uh, Fennec, and uh, Mando repel the stormtroopers, just cutting through them, especially Boba Fett. Um, it is, we can get into it in more details, but um, Boba Fett, played by oh, what, Tamora Morrison, just uh, chef's yeah. kiss. 
just so fucking so plays him so well. It's great. Yeah. Um, and I really loved him using the gaffy stick and just smashing the shit out of stormtroopers in their armor. Just shows like how much of like an actual badass Boba Fett is for once. <laughs> Which never yeah, happened it, in the movies. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say it shows him finally being a bad. I actually wrote it down. But we can talk more more when you finish the the, yeah. the summary. Yeah. Um, real fun plot point because you actually asked for it when I asked you what you hope would happen in the season. But Moff Gideon obliterates the Razor Crest. Yeah. With the strike from the orbit, which is really nice to see that Star Cruisers can actually wreck shit on planets. Um, it is completely destroyed. Lucky for Boba Fett, he spotted earlier and got his armor out of it. Um, and then um, after Gideon's troopers get blown up real good uh he sends a couple of dark troopers down to to get grogu um i will go back and say that grogu got into a trance and was in sort of a energy field with his you know little uh meditation going on mando thankfully i really appreciate this but mando he did the practical thing of try to get him out of there unfortunately it never let him um and then the last time he tried and you couldn't get him he was like okay well i'll go defend you and, and like five seconds later Grogu's done. He's passed out like he always does when he uses force powers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the dark troopers were able to steal him. And so at the end of the show, uh, Boba Fett and Fennec promised to help Mando get Grogu back. Um, and so now, since Mando no longer has the Razor Crest, he flies on Sa- Slave One to Navarro to ask for Cara Dune's help in breaking out the criminal Migs Mayfield. And that's where the tragedy ends off. Mayfield, but yeah. Sorry, Mayfield. I always want to say Mayfield, but you're right. It's yeah. Mayfield. I also want to say Mayfield for whatever reason, yeah. You know, some of my notes are light on this one because it's a pretty heavy heavy action episode, but that's where Robert Rodriguez's uh, design or his directing ability show. It's just great. You know, he has that chops of, you know, Mexican Western style fighting in combat and Whoa, and, so much. Yes, yes. And it's yeah. so it's so well displayed here. Seeing Boa Fett kick ass. Um, just beating the shit out of people. Just the way Tamora Morrison just plays him, I really, really appreciate. Fennec Shan looks awesome too. Um, you know, being a sharpshooter, it was very interesting to see. It's very like World War One, World War Two esque fighting of like there's a person on the high ground, you're getting murdered trying to get to them. So they bring out the mortars and like a, a machine gun. Basically, it's 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 actually that old West style of like how do we get a person off a hill, right? Like that, the old like Gatling gun that came on wheels, they kind of roll it up to try to shoot Fennec Sand off the top of the hill. Yeah. And also there's a very, if you've ever watched uh, Saving Private Ryan, the way that, that, that Robert Rodriguez does that, the scene of, of the, the, the trooper ships arriving at the yep. bottom and having to move uphill is very reminiscent of like Omaha Beach stuff. Like, yeah. it's it's very like war movie episode. It's and, and I think that's the best part of it. Yeah, I have a few problems with this episode. I mean, let me let me get on the on the stuff that I like that that is always seen as a trope for Star Wars that they um, sort of subvert in here. And the first one is just they're going to a Jedi temple and it isn't a huge adventure or an ordeal or solving puzzles or a moral lesson. It's just <laughs> land and go. Oh, not, yeah. Like it's so great that it's like, I, it's not that I don't like those puzzles and that kind of stuff. And for games, for example, it's very good. 
It's very sure. uh, like atmospheric almost. But like once in a while, I just want to see them get to the top of the fucking mountain and put, you know, just go use the thing. Well, right? so very, I, I really like that. It's just very practical, right? It's like, yeah, we're in space. And so you should be able to find the stupid temple on a planet without having to like, it, you know, it, search it around have... in the in the jungle for 10 years. Or or having to, you know, land and go into a place and then solve puzzles for like, you know, an hour yeah. on screen, right? It's it's fine. Like, it's not that that's a bad thing, but it's always like that. And yes. sometimes it can just be, I'm going to just land at the top. Yep. Right? So, like, because if you think about it, it couldn't be that when the Jedi were actually active, they always had to go through the fucking ordeals to get to where they wanted to go. <laughs> At some point, they just want to meditate, man. Just leave them alone. Yeah. You know, I also really enjoyed uh, just the sheer happiness that Mando had calling Grogu and having him answer. It just does that like a million times. He has he has the same reaction we have. Which is yeah. like that stupid bro would be like, hey, Grogu. Huh? And he goes, huh? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. great. It's great. It, yeah. it is just absolutely perfect. So I yeah, also... I I also really enjoyed like Robert Rodriguez and the actors obviously did a really good job of showing, not telling like Boba is actually a badass, right? And to your point, something you always bring up is it's so good to see and hear how shitty the stormtrooper armor is. We yeah. always knew it was. And then when he's like whacking at them and just sounds like plastic breaking, it's great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it is perfect. So for sure. And another thing before I fly into, the um bad let's say of this episode i don't want to hang on on it too much um it's the interactions between mando and and grogu in this episode the entire episode are so amusing uh, and like you said you know he tries the practical thing of like okay enough of this let me grab this baby and get the fuck out and he can't and like <laughs> Every time, and he's acting like this is like business as usual. He goes and he's like, "Let's go, kid," and gets repulsed like a little bit. And it's like, "Yeah, uh, yeah, okay, I'm gonna try to protect you. You stay there, okay? Don't move." <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, it's like, oh, I guess I can't do that. Okay, uh, yeah, that was the plan all along. Cool. I, the other thing, I, I, I just the stupid missile pack again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I just enjoy how dumb it is, uh, but also how effectively Boba Fett employs it in terms of shooting down the stupid the escaping stormtroopers and and having them crash um it was really funny uh to see that it happened um and and you know it was it's just it's just good to see like there be real stakes for mando you know like as yeah. much as they can kick ass with stupid stormtroopers that don't matter when the dark troopers come down when they blow up his ship, putting him in a really like an actual precarious position by blowing up the Razor Crest, where if if Boba Fett was like, "Well, got my armor, peace, buddy," like he'd be fucked, right? So having real stakes, or, or not real stakes, but like putting real challenges in the Mando's way, pushing the story, not trying to be like a sitcom where like he always has the Razor Crest and he's always got Grogu, like is just really is one of the reasons why Mandalorian works so well as a show. It's so engaging is because the the narrative. This season in season two, more than season one, has been moving forward constantly. Yeah, it has a sense of time passing and progression, right? You don't get stuck in the same loop. And when we see the Razor Crest um, on the previous episode, it just got fixed, right? Or the, the episode before. And, you know, it's easy to think, like, okay, 
this is this is going to be here forever now this ship right and then they pull like a 180 on us and like nope there's there's no fixing that ship anymore <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah exactly yeah. all so, right sh- shit on it it's not like really shitting on it but like i i find a couple of things in this uh, a little bit contrived um so like they the the stormtroopers run away from boba fat but not from mando it's like why they they both look badass enough and they they've proven that they can hold their own i guess boba does a little bit more but it's a bit contrived to me but the main thing here is that mando really shits the bed on what he's like if he had stayed on top of that well I wrote this before I watched the last episode, right? So then I, I guess this is not as true, but like if if they had stayed up top with Baby Yoda, with Grogu, they might have had had a better chance at protecting him from the dark troopers, but I guess not. Because as we find later, they're really like sturdy. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I mean I if you think about what Mando knows and doesn't know, like he's aware of stormtroopers, but he has no idea dark troopers exist, right? So why would you expect troopers who have jetpacks to come out of the sky and steal your baby? Fair enough, fair enough. But but like I, you know, in my in my mind, the the instinct to protect someone is to be around them, because if he goes away, he doesn't know what's happening to the baby, right? Well, but but if you're also judging based on your perceived threats, right? And the perceived threat is from the stormtroopers that are there. There's no such thing as flying troopers. Yeah, and they're all coming from the same place too. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. And I, like I said, I wrote these not having watched like this this time I watched the episodes the first time when we were Right, prepared. so you're, you're watching it the second time. Yeah, I was not watching it the second time, right? So right. that's okay. why I didn't know the dark troopers. Like if if they were up there the the storm the, the dark troopers would have killed all three of them. Probably. Yeah, pro- probably based on what we've seen out of them in in, in the later episodes, they yeah. would have died for sure. Anyway, like you said, this is uh, this is less of uh, this is more of an action episode, and I I, I like it. I like it. I, I like what Robert Rodriguez did with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but not a whole lot of story in here, other than setting us up for what's going to happen later on with Boba, and also bringing Boba Fett in, and and keeping him there because, uh, you know, Mando has no no other way of going anywhere. <laughs> Sorry, I I just want to understand here so um there's no story but they set up the fact that uh someone is going to come get grogu by the end of the season they set up the fact that he's now gone and they have to go to find um moff gideon's ship they set up the fact that boba fett is willing to help him in a party um but there's no story like, I didn't say there was no story. I said not a lot of story. Well, when you, when you, what, what, what no, you... it's good. I'm not complaining. Dude, stop trying to make me complain about something I'm not complaining about. I'm just saying it's it's lighter on story than, say, you know, like chapter 15 and 16, for example. Yeah, I, I think the story is fine. It's like, fine. It's fine. It's, it's really hard to I just when you say it's lighter on story, there's lack of like it seems like and maybe I'm just assuming but like lighter on story makes it seem like a bad thing. No, right. You're you're just being a douche right now. Yeah, I, I don't I don't mind it not having as much. Like I like it's good action. It's it's um it's action that makes sense. It's not just action for action's sake. And it does like you said, it does set up a bunch of stuff, right? It set it sets up basically a new series even, which we're gonna yes. discuss at the end, right? So so, it's so let's good. Just, it's good. 
I think we need to take that out of the complaint category. Oh, it wasn't a complaint. Oh, it was okay. just me rounding it up so we can move on to the next. Okay, episode. it just came at the end of complaint. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, yeah. Like it was a complaint. Okay. No, no, it was take us... me trying to segue. <laughs> Brutal. Anyways, yeah. based on that, take us to chapter 15. So chapter 15, uh, it's called The Believer. And as as alluded in the end of the previous one, they need to go get Mayfeld, uh, who is now in prison, uh, out of there because Mando wants him to be able to help them find Grogu because he, he was kidnapped and um, Mando really has no other way of finding out where he's being taken to or where he is. So he he knows Mayfeld was a an Imperial at some point, a sharpshooter, I guess they they call him. And uh, so he he goes to Kara, who's now a marshal uh, of the New Republic. He asks her to break him out, and they don't even break him out, which I like. Is just you know let's let's you know let's use that credential that she has to to get him out. And so they um, they get him to agree to find Moff Gideon's cruiser. Uh, but he says he needs an, an access to a terminal that, you know, it has to be in person. It can't be like a remote thing, which I always find amusing in Star Wars, like how technology I, goes and goes and <laughs> whatever. You know how I feel about <laughs> yeah. that shit. And so he suggests that, that they go to Morak because there is a, the planet Morak. There's a mining a secret imperial mining hub there. I don't know how it's secret when it's that big, but let's do that alone. And so basically uh, Mayfeld and the Mandalorian hijack a, a transport that's carrying an explosive mineral. What's the name? Uh, Rhydonium. And so they manage to hijack one of the transports, survive a pirate attack uh, that is done that's, that's blowing up the Rhydonium basically on the transports. They managed to stay, like to fend off the attack, get the mining, the mining um, transport or the, the 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 yeah the mineral transport to the base, and then they proceed to try to get the you know Mayfeld to get in uh, access to the 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 what what did they call it terminal? Sorry, yeah. Um, this is where we fir- the first time we see Mando actually take off his helmet in front of other human beings which is very like it's a very important thing in my opinion and we'll talk about it later um mando gets the access to what he needs to the location of moff gideon's ship but then they get confronted by an old uh commanding officer of mayfeld's and they have a really poignant conversation we get a lot of We get a lot of backstory there from Mayfeld and Mayfeld ends up shooting the guy and they make a frantic escape out of uh, Morak with the information back into Boba Fett's ship. Um, and they they go away and Kara lets, I, I did not expect this, Kara lets Mayfeld go. I, I, re- I thought it was a really interesting like character development for her. Well, I mean, there's a reason why she did that, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. I'm just saying it was a very like good surprise for me. I thought she was going to be very like very much a stickler for it. you're an imperial, you get to go to prison or whatever. Right. Um, and then uh, we finish with a very nice 
sort of bookend message from from Mando to Moff Gideon, to saying, you know, I'm coming for you, you bastard. Classic. And and uh, we end on them going after Gideon on on his cruiser. I really love this episode for number numerous reasons, but I I have to say if I had to pick one, it's Mayfeld. I just loved him as a character on chapter six and having him back where I did not expect him to be back. And it was a really excellent surprise for me. It was, it was, I, I don't know. I, I think this is my favorite episode of the, of the season. Okay. I have to say, I mean, just, it's the lightest in the story, but I get where you're coming from. It's, I, it's the lightest in story, but it's very heavy. I don't know if it's the lightest, but it's light in story. I agree. But it's very heavy in story. Uh, sorry, in character development and character background. Um, and it's just, it has Bill Burr. I guess I'm a sucker for Bill Burr. I get it. It was <laughs> awesome. But yeah. yeah. And I don't know. Like we see Boba's new armor that I don't like. I liked it when it was beat up instead of like cleaned up. I don't know. Yeah. It's 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 so iconic that it's like beat up to hell, <laughs> and now we get it to see it clean. That's really the only thing I didn't like about this episode. Yeah, I, yeah, that's fair. Um, I will say that Bobo's armor being dirty, which I didn't cover in the last episode, we can cover it now when it gets cleaned. Is well, how did it get so dirty? Was that just the Sarlacc pit? Because to your point, lightsabers don't dirty Beskar. What what fucks up Beskar, right? I guess it's, Sarlacc it's just, stomach acid. I guess so. I mean, it's just it's just a a curiosity more than anything, right? It's not it's not yeah for sure negative or positive. Um, I, I like the episode. I thought it was fun. Um, it certainly is a throwback to season one episodes where it's like, yeah, you need to do this, but it's like you're doing this episode for one thing only of getting the location, whereas the other episodes have usually given you a couple of different things going on. Um, so, so that would be my only sort of complaint, but. No, overall, it's fun to have Mayfield back. And I made a specific note. It's really nice to have somebody who is like cracking jokes, but is not a cocky flyboy. Like mm-hmm. Mayfield's just cynical as fuck. And yeah. that's, it's fun to have him tell jokes that way and be that kind of jokey persona in the episode. And obviously Bill Burr, that's that's his bread and butter. But not everybody is, is Han Solo or Poe or, you know, young Han Solo or whoever. Pick one or yeah. Anakin or Obi-Wan. Yeah. Right? Everyone's always cocky. And like, got quick wit and maybe you know, maybe too, um, too cocky. But but it's it's boring <laughs> after a while, right? To see different sort of characters still tell jokes, is is nice. Um, you know, it, the whole like Mayfeld just talking to Mando the whole entire time while they're driving, just like ribbing him and and yeah. It, it, it the thing it does is it gives us it really digs into Mayfeld as a character. So, exactly, exactly. So you have to bring him back, assumingly. Um, and and so. Uh, provided they bring him back, the episode makes sense. But it's interesting to spend a lot of time with a character like that, and, and you don't necessarily see the payoff this season. True, yeah. Um, it, it's tough when you're at the end of the thing, but but it is interesting to see them spend a lot of time with it. Um, did they ever say what Rhydonium was for? Uh, they allude to I uh, we can mine this, we, we can distill this, or or refine this into something that will destroy the New Republic. That's what uh, Valen Hass, the the commander, says. Okay. They don't. I. They. They kind of John Wick coin it, almost. Did they say or or more like you know, like I said before, Pulp Fiction or or Ronin. 
the, the movies where they have the thing and it's important, but you don't know why. It's like, yeah, we can use this Rhydonium to make something that is going to be very dangerous and very powerful, but they don't say what. Yeah, I was just more curious than anything. Um... I have a feeling it has to do with the space sticks, but I hope it doesn't. I really hope it doesn't. Because this is too early too, right? Well. In terms of story. Who knows, right? Like they they don't exactly play things out in a logical way half the time so yeah but one thing that i i the the reason why i i enjoyed this episode as well is because the first time bill burr shows up shows up as mayfeld i mean yeah they have his sort of personality there but it's very toned down and very like almost like two-dimensional where here they lean into him as an actor or as yeah as, as as an actor in this case yeah to use his strengths to do what you said, you know, to provide that cynical, funny outlook without it being contrived. And it's a much better use of Bill Burr's strengths than it was in the first time that he shows around. He gets uh, to banter yes. a lot. He gets to use his, you know, sarcasm and his quick wit to, to, to say stuff, you know, like when he, he says he, <laughs> he has, they have to, Oh, you know, we have to go file the TPS reports. It's so great. Like I left my ass yeah. off on that. <laughs> and like any other character, any almost any other actor in in the the ensemble would not be able to pull that off. But you know, he does. And I agree with you. If if Mayfeld never shows up again, which would be such a stupid thing, given yeah. the way that he's left, it would be this would be sort of like why then, right? Yeah. But but if if he does, this is a nice setup episode for the next season. You have to assume he's going to come back to some degree. And it leads me to one of my, my only questions about these episodes is, so they just left him on the planet? Yeah, I, I think it's it's a it's a decent enough place to leave him in. I don't think he, they just left him in like Kashyyyk or something. It's it's a planet where he can do something. Yeah. But but yeah, it's it's I think it's left sort of vague on purpose so that he can make whatever they want from that planet. Yeah, yeah. Like I think I, I don't think it's a huge deal. It was just it was just interesting. They're just like, oh yeah, let's just uh, we're just gonna leave him here. Fuck him. Yeah, um, yeah. And 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 that leads to the whole feel of Star Wars. As much as Star Wars is a future tech world, it very much trades on the idea that it's it's very like westerny and old school. There's like no there's outposts and nobody's around. And I was gonna mention this in in the 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 first episode we talked about about how that city. They give you one shot of the city that uh, Morgan is the magistrate of, and and where it looks like it's a huge city, but everything else we do looks like it's a tiny ass outpost. Uh, it looks like it has one street. Yeah, the and there's yeah. like just I looked watching it a second time. Let me catch one scene where it looks like it's a huge city, but mm-hmm. otherwise you're right. It's just one strip, and I was just like, well, that's that's an odd way to 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 design the city, but the whole way they design the world is that everything is, it's all Westerny outposts. There's yeah. nobody around you, which makes sense for space, but it's just, it's still a weird sort of feeling to, to get when everything operates like that. Yeah. Like Moss Pelgo, what the way that they arrive is so Western. Like, you know, you yeah. arrive in the middle of that, the, the biggest street where every major business is, And then he goes into the salon, the, the saloon, the salon is a different place, the saloon. Yes. And, all, all that we're missing, like I said in the in the previous episode, is the like the the swinging doors, right? So and and the same <laughs> thing with 
um uh what's the name of the city uh caladan it's all it also feels like a small city where you arrive in a, in a different way so yeah, yeah. I, I like that that they do that and the same thing with this mining facility it's just a mining facility in the middle of nowhere and it's it's huge but it's secret which i find weird <laughs> but you know it is what it is i guess yeah if you consider the vastness of space i guess everything could be secret in a way true true yeah but like what I like about this episode in particular is it's very character driven. So we see Mando is like, okay, you're, we're going to have to infiltrate. So he goes away and he comes back with a stormtrooper episode uh, uh, armor, which is like, holy shit. Like it's more important for him to not show his face than it is for him to actually be in the Baskar armor. And that says something about how much he respects that creed. And then in the same episode, we see that, you know, as much as he respects and values that creed, he values Grogu much more. It's like, if I have to take my helmet, and he tries with the helmet on, which I I find hilarious. It's like, what do you think is going to happen, bro? (laughs) Like, it says facial identification, not helmet identification. (laughs) (laughs) Like, but in his like, you know what? I need this. I'm going to take my helmet off and I'm going to keep it. And it's so weird to see Pedro Pascal's face. And bit, still yeah. see him as the Mandalorian. It's such a weird sort of dissonant feeling in my head, at least. Yeah. I, and I really like as well Mayfeld's sort of backstory being filled in the conversation in a way that didn't feel like super contrived. It's a conversation for us and for Mando to understand what's happening. And for Valen Hass is definitely testing Mayfeld and that kind of that kind of thing. And him just going, you know what? Fuck this shit and shooting him in the face. I wish it was in the face. It was in the chest, but I wish it was in the Still, face. It is, it is interesting to see him actually do that, right? And him being an actual sharpshooter with that shot. And, you know, the uh, Kara and Fennec saying, that was a nice shot. Yeah. When they were killing it as snipers too, they were like just giving them cover. And they have complete trust in them that they're going to cover them from like the sniper position. Like all of that was very well set. Um, and, and so I, that's why I liked the episode because it was focused on the characters less than the story. And I really like that. Like the character development aspect of it is really fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, the, the speech that he gives, that Mando gives back to Gideon at the end is priceless. It's great. No, it's, uh, it, it, it sets up the last episode. Well, I'll give I'll give that credit for it. It's nice to see Mayfeld showing up with the conscience and doing some stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, that is more meaningful than just being a, sh- a sharpshooter for hire and maybe time spent in jail helps him, you know, grow that sort of conscience. Well, and the whole idea of him getting out, why did he get out of the empire? What was his beef, right? It gets very clear here that he, he he's not okay with just one ton killing even though you know that's what he says so right you know what was the point did the people that died for this would they better for it so i i really liked that it showed sort of like a more more depth into his character without it being too long or being too contrived i really like that i did i did enjoy the the fact that even the anti-aircraft guns are like they look like world war ii era anti-aircraft guns right like it's yeah, all yeah. it's all just that same sort of look and feel to them which was it sort of touches back to how star wars originally looked um and but the question i have before we leave this episode is what was the rebels plan like why didn't they just throw thermal detonators at every ship why they have to board it as long as the it goes off on the back of the ship any sort of spooking to the rydoni would blow it up so just you know like throw a thermal detonator at it it looks like they stick 
I guess. And then uh, it blows up and you'd fly away. Like, why do they have to board and get the shit kicked out yeah. of them all the time? Also, also those thermal detonators, they, they have, you know, plot-induced uh, detonations, right? Sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes it takes, like, 30 seconds. It's, it's never clear when. So, like, it's, you know, I, I honestly, I think it was supposed to just show... Um, Mando fighting them and how he relies too much on his Beskar armor and he you know he gets kind of hit way more in this because it's stormtrooper armor it's garbage but you know he's still a badass there but I think that's the only reason is to give them a fighting chance at escaping with the Rhydonium yeah and to show Mando fighting without his armor to just show you know he this is a badass not just because of the armor uh, but yeah it's I agree with you it's kind of like just you know, drive by, toss the, de- the detonators and leave. I guess they had to peel the door to like expose the Rhydonium, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. That's the only reason I can see like, that they have yeah. to go in and pry it open. That's that's the only thing I can see as well is that they're they're they specifically have to do it that way. Um, yeah. But the first guy jumped on, opened it up and was fine. The next two had to pry it open. So who the hell knows exactly how that's working. So let's jump to our final episode which is chapter 16, the rescue. And as they've sort of teased all the way along, they are going to find um, the ship that is the sort of light cruiser that Moff Gideon has and, and get, get rid of Moff Gideon or at least get the the baby, the child Grogu. Um, And the episode doesn't start off at that point. The episode actually starts off with um, Mando and, um, uh, Boba Fett going to see Bo-Katan and Casca Reeves uh, to enlist their help. And it's interesting to see the uh, back and forth with the two uh, Mandalorians, uh, Bo-Katan and Casca with uh, Boba Fett and Mandalorian because they don't give a shit about Boba Fett either. Apparently no one likes Boba Fett because they don't <laughs> think he is a Mandalorian. Um, at one point, Bo-Katan calls his dad his donor, which I think is priceless. Um, and and you see uh, the actress uh, playing Cosca Reeves uh, outact Cara Dune in about five seconds, which I thought was also hilarious. Um, but they basically come to blows before agreeing that you know Bo-Katan is interested in helping him because he mentions they know where Gideon is. And more importantly, Cara Dune gets to uh, go and get the Darksaber from him. I'm not sure if she specifically says she wants it at that point, but later on in the episode she does. Um, so they get that crew up, and then they... Uh, attack a shuttle that has Dr. Pershing on it to, you know, take that shuttle. Um, I, I did notice here, it was interesting to see that everybody who works for Gideon apparently is like a religious zealot and is willing to kill or die for him. Yeah, yeah. it makes sense. I'll talk about that later, but it makes sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that guy talks a lot of shit to Cara Dune before he gets murdered, which I don't know what your plan was, buddy, but uh, good on you, I guess. Um, Pershing is in, has, he's just like, whatever, man, I don't want to die, so cool you can have me um and he comes in handy later because he's able to tell them about the dark troopers and so they set up their plan to board the ship um mando is going to go alone and he's gonna get grogu and he's also tasked with shutting down the dark troopers uh and then the rest of the crew minus boba fett is going to land on the space deck and fight their way to the main part of the ship and take control of the ship and kill moff gideon or sorry 
They're going to relieve Moff Gideon of the dark saber. Yes. Uh, different people <laughs> want him dead. Different people want him for information. It's all up in the air. But that's the brief synopsis for them. Um, Mando has some trouble, finds the dark troopers, um, almost doesn't get rid of them. Turns out Beskar say, uh, spears are really good at killing a lot of things that guns aren't. Kills the dark trooper, throws the rest of the dark troopers into space, which, okay, but they're, I mean, and, they're androids, bro. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not his fault. Like, uh, I'll talk about that. It's, it's sort of, okay, whatever. Go ahead. It's not, Finish it's it. not his fault, but like, it's one of it's, those things where it's just like, got rid of them. But when they come back, it's like, right, android shit. Like it's, you know, like you can't be mad when they show back up. No, um, but, but, uh, but at the same point, like, you know, just, well, whatever. Continue. I'll talk about it later. Thank you. Um, so then Mando finds Grogu, and it turns out Gideon's there as a dark saber, and they have a nice little chat. Uh, Giancarlo um, continues to Esposito. Esposito, yes. thank you. Continues to chew scenery in the most delightful way. Oh, man, that whole scenery is made of ice cream and cookies. Yeah. Like it's he's just, great. It's delicious yeah. for everybody. Um, <laughs> and, and at the end of the day, him and Mando throw down. Uh, Mando with that Beskar spear and uh, Gideon with the dark saber. And it's actually a pretty quick fight. Um, Mando yeah. beats the shit out of him and gets very the, brutal fight too. Yeah, it's a very brutal fight, but Mando gets the dark saber from him. I actually did want to point out that when he fights the one dark trooper before stabbing him, the dark trooper had to have given him a concussion, right? Like, cause he punches him square in the head, like <laughs> how many times? Like, yeah, like even though the 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 helmet doesn't bend or anything else. Sure. Like, at least he rung his head like a bell, right? We know enough from like watching NFL players that if you get hit really hard in the head, even <laughs> if you have a helmet on with padding, <laughs> you're going to get fucking concussed. Yeah. So the fact like, that Mando walks away with no damage. You know, yeah. Um, but back to Moff Gideon losing to Mando. Uh, Moff Gideon, this is all part of his greater plan to lose to Mando, as we find out, because now... Bo-Katan can't get the dark saber from him. Um, and a little backstory for anybody who hasn't followed along with sort of is it Rebels or is it Clone Wars? I never... I'm pretty sure it's it's talked about at Rebel and Rebels first. Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's one of those. It's Rebels. Cartoons. It's the last season of Rebels, okay. I think. Yeah. But who he he or she who holds a dark saber is is the ruler of, of Mandalore. And so the way you get the dark saber is you have to defeat the person holding it in combat. Very the same thing as the Elder Wan in Harry Potter. Uh, I'll talk more about that later because there's that's contradictory, but go ahead. That's what they allude to in the in the episode yeah. for sure. I don't I don't can you just stop interrupting me so I can finish this? I'll try. Okay, thank you. Um <laughs> I'm almost done. I swear to God. So it's a long synopsis, man. What can I say? Are you, are you done? Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, here we go. I'm going to go, so don't interrupt me. All right. So we go back. Gideon is dragged to the bridge where Bo-Katan is, and we find out that um, he fucked over Bo-Katan by letting Mando win and get the Darksaber. Mando tries to give it to her, but it doesn't work that way, quote-unquote. Um, and then we find out that the Dark Troopers are not dead, and they've landed back on the ship, and they are going to murder everybody. But uh, what's that in the darkness? There's a lone X-Wing approaching the ship. Um, and then they have a more talk and worry about the ship on the ship about the Dark Troopers coming. They're preparing for them. Giancarlo Esposito is still chewing scenery while this is all happening, trying to freak everybody out. Um, that person on the X-Wing lands on the ship. Turns out that person who 
we don't know who it is, has one gloved hand and one hand that is not gloved and a green lightsaber. Um, <laughs> don't know who this is. Have yeah. no clue. Who whatsoever. could it be? <laughs> who could it be in the, in the timeline where the, the Empire is just lost and another Death Star was blown up? Um, and the Emperor was killed by some guy and his dad. Anyways, uh, <laughs> the point here is um, they don't have to worry about the Dark Troopers because that person just fucking murders the Dark Troopers. Giancarlo Esposito tries to shoot a bunch of people, fails. Um, and even Grogu is, Grogu is excited about the newcomer. He's watching on the screen. He's touching the screen. Um, and everyone's scared of him except Mandu who's like, let him in. Spoiler alert, it's Luke fucking Skywalker. Yeah. He just wrecked everybody's face. Grogu is like, all right, I can go with this dude. Mando and Grogu have a very touching ending um, where Mando takes off his helmet so Grogu can touch his face, showing that, that level of bond that Mando has with Grogu that he's willing to throw away his sort of oath um, to say goodbye to Grogu correctly. And he gives permission to Grogu to go with Luke Skywalker, and Grogu is not feeling it until R2-D2 shows up. And then he's like, hell yeah, I'm into it. Um, and so they leave. And then at the very end, not that it matters at this point, but Fennec Shand and Boba Fett travel to Jabba's place and they kill Bib Fortuna like a bitch um, and then take <laughs> his throne. And that leads us into the new series, uh, The Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Can I speak now? Mm, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really like as a series, as a season finale, I, I, I really enjoyed this even more than the previous season finale. I, th I thought it was, I guess because the season was so m cohesive uh, and, and like it was, there was a driving force, which was, you know, getting him to the Jedi first and then at the end rescuing him, uh, him being Grogu. So I, I thought it was a really cool cap off episode. And like a couple of things that really called my attention here were First of all, honestly, I don't think I have ever hated anybody as much on site as I did that fucking Imperial pilot that was holding Dr. Pershing. At oh, yeah. He's just such a super dick immediately for Oh, my God. Like, reasons. Even, like, the Emperor will go, bruh, like, tone it down. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoa, we're not that evil, dude. Yeah, like, come on. Like, we're evil, but we don't have to be pricks. Come on. Like... <laughs> Yeah, and, and I really like that I mentioned this on the Rogue One episode that we did, that it felt sort of like convenient that yep. they just happen to have a, a ship. And in this case, they specifically go after a ship to be able to infiltrate, right? I really like yes. that. Yeah. Um, and this this episode has a couple of very interesting kind of like Easter eggs. Um, unfortunately, only for people that watch the cartoons, but like seeing Bo-Katan's Bo ship on the background when they they land right after abducting Doctor Pershing, you can see her ship there, and it's like, oh, they're going to talk to Bo-Katan. It's great, like just yep. coming back. And the same thing with Bo-Katan looking at Boba Fett and saying, "I've heard your voice a thousand times before." Yeah, another Be sweet burn. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, exactly because I said, do you know who you're talking to? Yeah, I talked to like a thousand of you before because of the whole, like, you know, in Rebels and, and in Clone Wars, they have yep. a lot of interaction. In Clone Wars, even more, a lot of interaction with the clone troopers, right? Who all sound, sound like Boba because they're basically all clones of each other, right? So yep. it's great. And, and it's fun to see... Um, because like there's a lot of plans that go on 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 Mandalorians that 
several people make in this season and the, the previous one. And those plans are always sort of like hack night, half harebrained things. And Bo-Katan in that one scene when she makes the plan, it shows how much of a brilliant tactician she is. In one scene, she explains that this is we're going to do this, 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 this. And it's such a well-rounded plan that she pulls up out of her ass. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this is this is a real this is a general, not the yes. fucking everybody else that's a general in this thing. It's it's amazing. Like I really enjoy how it's it's a just one scene and it shows okay, now we have someone who knows what they're doing in charge. Yeah, it's it's quite you see the difference very, very quickly. Yeah. And and it's like uh, what what where are my where are my notes? Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, sorry. That's what I wanted to say. So like the like crash landing into the cruiser, for example, with the whole oh clear the launch tube and that kind of stuff. We don't usually see those things. Like it, it, the way that we sees that we see uh, ships and, and that kind of stuff in Star Wars is very. It's almost the same in every different medium, and yeah. in this case, you see like you know what what would happen if you try to ram into where ships are launching from and you know is that a good way of infiltrating and it turns out that it is right works great yeah <laughs> as it turns out yeah and and i really like that they let ming now and uh, fennec show her martial prowess in that in that episode i like how they show that women can be badasses and not make a huge fuss about it it's just yeah they're just gonna kick some ass I had a note about that too. It's like it's the one thing that I would say Marvel did not do well that that Star Wars did better than them mm-hmm. is the idea that you don't have to make a deal about women kicking ass. You like you watch this episode and you don't realize until well, I didn't realize until when they were on the the um, the deck of the ship all standing together again. But like he went in with four women on this team, right? Yeah, and, and they were they were the bruisers in this because Mando yeah, he, was infiltrating, right? He was doing the infiltration. They went in, and just kicked some ass, and beat the shit out of everybody going through. And that is that is a great way to show that it, there is no difference between men and women doing this. It's just it's just exactly. people doing a job. Yeah, and and let me get to more of the cool stuff before I kind of complain about this a little bit. Um, oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> like you were you were describing the synopsis, and I was like getting just as giddy as I did when I watched it, when I saw the X-Wing, it was like, oh, he reached out to some Jedi. I wonder who could that be? And I thought in the in in, in that episode, I was like, oh man, is it going to be Luke? No. Is it going to, it has to be, come on, it has to be Luke. Okay, fine. And then I see that X-Wing arrive and I'm like, oh, it's an X-Wing. And then I see, you know, one gloved hand, one not gloved hand. And I, I literally, a like, friend, looked at me as like, what the fuck is wrong with you that you're yelling at a computer screen? Here I was yelling at it. It's like, it's Luke Skywalker! And after he goes through, you know, the whole, just basically laying waste to these new, like, frankly, overpowered enemies, and I'll talk about that a little later. But it's like, yeah, this is the Luke Skywalker I know. He gets in, and he makes mincemeat or i guess mince metal out of those dark troopers and just like it's nothing he goes in he whacks them out cuts them down down and pokes them in and like it's almost like a like a like an afterthought for him 
And that scene is so drawn out. I, I think it's like two or three minutes almost that he's going through and they're watching him on the cameras going through all of the different um, areas of the ship from where he comes oh, in. It's, I think it's like almost like 10 minutes by the time he gets to the <laughs> ship, goes through murdering guys. They go yeah. back to Giancarlo. He's trying to shoot everybody. He tries to shoot the kid. Like all that scene takes like 10 minutes. It's surprisingly long. Yeah, I don't I don't care how long it takes. It's amazing. And it's like it's really drawn out. It's really like tense, but not tense in the sense of, oh, is he going to die? It's tense with like, holy shit, what the fuck is is it going to like just not stop? Is it going to slash the door open and start slashing people too? And it's great. Like I, I, the whole thing after the fuckery that we were subjected to <laughs> on The Last Jedi, it's like, whew. It's, it's like the, it's great. It's the greatest palate cleanse of all time. Yeah, except the only thing is that CG oh, was a God. little. Ugh. Honestly, the CG was fine for his face. I think they they intentionally made sure he didn't open his mouth much. But of of the CGI I've seen used in Star Wars, it's probably the best for for a person. It's much better than than Tarkin's in in Rogue Oh Planet, yeah, yeah, yeah for example. sure. But I, I like that whole thing was like like you said, this is like a breath of fresh air. That's how I wrote it down. It's like oh, they can still do Luke in a decent way. Holy shit! Well, they, I mean, this is this is this goes back, and you know, this episode might be a little longer just because we have to kind of wrap up talking about you know this season two of the Mandalorian. But yeah, this is the thing they've done all the way along: is they know who they what their their characters are. They know how to build tension and stakes in a in a, in a way that makes sense to the show. They don't have to be space sticks on on giant ships that yeah. can destroy planets, and and showing a Jedi. Showing Jedi's that are you, you know they're vulnerable because all these Mandalorians have Beskar and you can't just go around chopping up Mandalorians, so that's dangerous to the Jedi's. But when you're not a Mandalorian, you're showing them in their true badassery that a level that we don't get to see and appreciate very often because those the the mainline movies are always Jedi versus Jedi, and so you don't understand how dangerous Jedi are to non-Jedi people. Yeah, and, and it varies on the movies too, right? Like you said it a couple of times on the previous episodes. It's like, okay, so how how much do lightsabers cut really? Because it seems like just any guard that doesn't wear white armor can stop them, right? The like Snokes are fine with fighting two lightsabers, even uh, even like even the guards on on uh, the Emperor's uh, room there. They, they like yeah, yeah I mean Ray makes means meat of them but like it, they still can block and shit right and in here it's like no unless it's Baskar things are gonna get fucked it could be a door it could be a dark trooper it could be whatever right so I yeah I I, I agree with that I really enjoy you know how much mystery I guess is the word that they leave in to to what the jedi can do yeah yeah it's not like it's not like oh fine it's a jedi no it's like holy shit it's a jedi right yeah and it's capped off with with uh mando saying are you a jedi right it's like yes i am right so that that's really cool weird question though in in the sense Mm. that he's met ahsoka tano um maybe it's because we know what jedis are but it's like you saw ahsoka what she could do like why do you think this this guy's not a Jedi? Well, no, it's I think it's because he's like, if I'm gonna part ways with you know what's essentially my son, I need to know I'm leaving him with someone who's deserving of him. Yeah, that's fair. Right? 
and, and it sets up the 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 scene nicely where you know he he wants like Grogu wants to make sure that that Mando is okay with him going, and he takes off the helmet like you said, and it's very touching. It's very like. It's just a simple taking the helmet off, but it, it has so much connotation. Mm-hmm. It has so much backstory behind it that is like, yeah, I don't give a shit about this creed if it means I have to, I get get to look, you know, my son in the face and say, yeah, go with that guy. He's better. He's gonna raise you better than I could. Yeah. Right. That being said, I have a few beefs. Can I uh, can I talk? Well, let me talk about the fun sure. things I go. like to before go, go, go you, you beef it, it out. Um, <clears throat> They set up so many interesting plot lines going forward. It is mm-hmm. the, it's so interesting to me to see Grogu actually be given away after having the Razor Crest destroyed. Mm-hmm. Because now, in theory, we are done with the Grogu plot line on Mandalorian. And listen, I love that cute little bastard, but I really think it helps that we're done with Grogu. Because this is supposed to be the Mandalorian, not the Grogu. Yeah. <laughs> and And I'm really excited to see where the story goes in the future because you have the Gideon plot line of what, what the fuck that guy was up to, you know, with the blood, because we really didn't explain why he wanted the blood. You know, we, they mentioned Pershing as a clone doctor, but we don't know what that all entails. And it yeah. certainly wasn't tied to building death troopers because they're all robotic. Right. Mm-hmm. We, we have the assault on Mandalore trying to get it back. That's that plot line's wide open. What's Bo-Katan going to do with Mando now that he has the black saber what's, or dark saber? What's going to happen with the dark saber? What's Mando going to do now that he doesn't have a ship and he's given away all of his stuff and he lost, you know, he's done his job. Um, there are so many interesting plot lines, you know, and, and the question I'm going to, I'm going to give to you is, all right, so Grogu is with Luke. How does that end out? Because I don't like people on the internet are like, oh, do you think Grogu got killed by, by fucking emo two thousand, uh, Kylo Ren when he has his freakout? But I don't think so because, you know, Luke is what twenty twenty two here. Yeah, so this is, <clears throat> this is right after Return of the Jedi, right? So he's <clears throat> yeah, within, yeah, within a few years, I think, when we looked at it. Yeah. So, so he's young. So, so what happens here? in terms of Grogu's growth to to sort of the end at the end storyline, but like where we end up in in the, the new movies, where does Grogu fit into that? What happens to him? Like, you know, is eighty being an eighty year old Grogu, because we still don't know what race he is, <laughs> like, does that mean that he's a child? Is he an adult? Is he a teenager? Like that there's a lot going on there that I don't know if they'll ever answer, but it's still a question that I have in, in the back of my head where I'm just like, wait, what's happening with that? So there's so many ways Mandalorian yeah. go forward with that are just so interesting to me. And and uh, I don't remember where I heard this. I don't know if it was in a game or if it was somewhere else that they say that Yoda is like around 900 years old. Um, I could be making this up. I but... know. I've heard that too. I don't know if it's a game or one of the movies, but he's old as fuck. Yeah, so like 80 is still a baby, I would say. Sure. Or like maybe a toddler. I don't know. Like it's it's young, right? We're talking like if we just slash that by uh, by 10, which would be around, you know, the time span of a human. So like Yoda is 90 and he's obviously old as fuck, even, you know, even for a, a Yoda, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that would make, you know, Grogu 5 in this. And then an 80-year-old Grogu would be an 8-year-old. So still a pretty young. 
So I guess I guess it can you can't so we can't know what happens. Obviously, by the time the Forest Awaken rolls in, there's no Grogu anymore. Somehow. Um I've heard some concerning theories about you know the whole thing with him uh having blood extracted from him and then Palpatine being a clone. I don't I hope that doesn't happen in that way. Um right. uh another possibility is that there's a new series coming out for Star Wars called The Acolyte. Um, right. Which yeah, could yeah. be about him maybe a little later. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. it could be about, you know, Palpatine's past. I don't know. Something like that. Um, I, what I know is it's, it's unfortunate that we know he, ha- he cannot be in the picture for the last movies because he's not there. Right. Yeah. So something is going to have to happen. You know, I don't know what. I think it there's there's enough like you said there's enough plot lines there to for us to and by the by now I trust Dave Filoni and John Favreau enough that it will not be shit. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm I hoping that. that they they get involved with whatever happens with Grogu in the future. But I also I agree with you. I wrote it down even that I I'm really glad that they decided to close the Grogu's arc. Yeah. Uh, the Grogu's arc, like here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Grogu's arc in two seasons without milking it for like 10 seasons, which a lot of people call the Mandalorian the Baby Yoda show, especially people that aren't that into Star Wars. So it's it was a bold decision to to get him out of the picture, right? Yeah. But but I think things need an end, and this was a good end for his arc. I right? agree. Even if he comes back at some point, like as a cameo or something. So I really I yeah. really enjoy that. That being said, let me just uh, say what annoyed me in this okay. and, and then we can like, cap off the, the, the whole season Yeah, because we're running in time again as uh, usual well I mean it's the end of the season so yeah so a couple of things I feel that the dark troopers are a bit overpowered um, I understand why and it has to play a part in this but it could have been done without it being that way they feel like they're too insurmountable Except for a Jedi, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But, and the, what I was saying when you were, you know, talking about the synopsis and I kept interrupting is, you know, they're in the ship and they flushed the, 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 the dark troopers out. And you're like, yeah, they're androids. I'm like, if you flush them out and you know they're androids, why not accelerate the ship to a speed that they can't catch you? Like, just do, just do that. Right? It's, it's a little like, why wouldn't you think about that? But whatever. Yeah. I, and it I, also disappointed me. Well, go ahead. No, I get what you're saying, right? You, you yeah. kind of want to, you want to give, you just some logic there you want them to use. Like so much logic is used by Mando. Um, I, I guess, again, he doesn't think they can fly back for reasons that yeah. are a bit more confusing on this episode versus the last one. Exactly. Yeah. And I also, I'm not, there's a, a couple of things uh, regarding, um, Gideon and the Darksaber that I find a bit disappointing. The first one is Gideon being a coward like all of the other Imperial officers. You know, with like he knows the Mando is coming and whatnot, and he's like holding the Darksaber over Grogu. It's like, really? Why? It's because he's a he's a master manipulator. He's using he's using the the yeah. terror or the fear for Mando to try to manipulate him. That's that's for his sure. Thing. For sure, but I didn't like I was hoping he wouldn't be as cowardly it, it's not that it doesn't make sense it does and yeah. i guess gideon does what needs to be done not you know it's not about honor or whatever for him obviously because he's an imperial yeah um but that's fine 
the 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 one thing that really upset me was the uh, the whole the dark saber must be won in battle. It's bullshit. And I'll tell you why. If you watch Rebels, and this is going to be a little bit of spoilers uh, of the ending. Um, it's not a huge spoiler, but it is. So in the end, the person that has the dark saber is Sabine Wren, who is one of the main characters of Rebels, and she's a Mandalorian. And Bo-Katan Bo does uh, kind of like um, deny or like she she doesn't agree with taking just taking the 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 dark saber the first time, but that's because she doesn't feel like she should be the one leading the Mandalorians. At the end, though, when they finish the raid on Mandalore, and I'm not going to go into it, so I don't spoil it too much. When they finish that raid, um, Sabine says. You should. I'm not gonna stay here. I'm gonna go back with you know. I'm gonna have other things to do. You should be the one to lead. And she hands her the dark saber, and Bo-Katan accepts it. And she goes on to be the leader of the Mandalorians until the current timeline, I guess, when she loses it to Moff Gideon somehow. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like, yeah, it must be won in combat. But like honestly, what they could do if it's because of tradition, she could just like whack Mando in the face or in the helmet, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, you win. So yeah. it's a bit like, it doesn't really play too much of a part here because that's clearly, like you said, this was clearly Gideon's intention. When he saw he was not going to be able to win, he draws it out so that Mando has to take it from him. And then it's like, ha ha, now you, you're going to have to fight amongst yourselves. But you don't really. Because it's shown before in other media, media that Dave Filoni is involved with because it's Rebels, sure. that you can just hand it off. So that's, I guess it's a little nitpicky, but it's kind of bullshit to me, and it, it annoyed me. I mean, well, this is what you do, so I'm not really going to... You <laughs> you get really worked up about nitpicky things that don't matter. This one probably matters more than some of the stuff you get annoyed with. Like, it is it is weird that um, they set that precedent, and then in the show where it doesn't matter, and now it does matter, and, and they're going to have to fill that in. I think they're really good at storytelling in that way. But, but it is interesting to say that they put that condition on it, and then... And the condition is maybe not a hundred percent percent. I'm I'm just afraid that it will play much more of a part than it should because anybody that watched Rebels will go, wait a minute. I we've seen someone hand that dark saber to someone else to Bo Katan even, not just yeah. someone else, right? <laughs> yeah, that's 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 fair. Yeah, but so all in all, I I like the season better than the first season, and that's not like a ding on the first season. It's just how much better the second season is. Yeah, um, they made. Grogu cuter than he was in the first season. I did not think it was possible, and they managed to. Yeah, just gave him a personality. Weird, right? Yeah, not just the personality, but like the little sounds that he makes, like when he's playing around with his soup. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so cute. Like it's, I understand why. Like this was such a good way of bringing new people in. People are like, oh, I don't necessarily care about Star Wars, but that thing is so cute. I'm gonna have to watch this. And and like they really played to the strengths. Of Star Wars in this, I thought, uh, you, you know, the mystery, the you know, they made okay. Let me put it this way: they made it back into a space opera, yeah, r- rather yeah. than just like a pew pew sci fi action thing. I think which is the only thing that J.J. Abrams knows how to do. Let's be honest. Yeah, no, I think that's that's fair. Is that they made it uh, interesting for people mm-hmm. when when it wasn't previously, and I think that that is the their greatest gift in terms of storytelling was their ability to to take take us to a world where stakes and story mattered and mm-hmm. not make it about 
about Jedi's running the world and bringing back the same old Jedi over and over again. Yeah. That, or or a variation thereof, right? Yeah. Yeah, because that that is one of the biggest gripes I have about those movies and I'm not going to dig into it now, but the idea that um it's the idea that everything has to be about the emperor and all that bullshit. Like yeah. that that doesn't need to exist. It didn't matter. It shouldn't matter. And and if we can avoid making it matter, that's let's let's because that's not yeah. fun. Like we've been there. We don't validate our stories and the things we love. That's really what it comes down to. So, um, you know, they did a great job with that, and I really appreciate that that sort of approach to it. Yeah, and and it leaves us, like you said, open to so like there's so many stories to tell, and none of them have to involve, you know, a Skywalker or a Palpatine or anybody that has already shown right. We know that Cara Dune is probably going to either die or be replaced and then shown a lot less. And it's unfortunate because the character is cool, but it doesn't ruin anything. I, I don't I don't think we know anything of that. We just know she's not going to matter going forward. It, that's what I mean. It, one way or another, I don't that think character she... is going to matter less, right? Sure. Well, you said she's either going to be die, die or replaced. I don't think we're going to do anything with her. I think she just... Fair enough. She We're could not just, talk to her just not be talked about. Yeah, fair. Well, but my point was that, you know, like imagine for the movies if, you know, what Gina Carano did was Daisy Ridley doing, and now they have to do something about it. I really like if you care. take Ray out of those movies, what movie are you left with? Yeah, I just, I'm not concerned. Like, I don't, I literally same, don't care. Same. I don't care either. Right? And it's, like I said, it's unfortunate because I really do like the character. But if if, it, if they have to introduce another, they they have shown that they can in this season, and and that they do a good job of it without making it super contrived or or like on the nose. It's it's I'm left with nothing but good expectations and and like um, anticipation, good anticipation of what's gonna come in season three and in in the book of Boba Fett. You know, you know when you say you don't care about something, you don't continue talking about it. You just drop it. No, that's not how I do things. Okay. No, I, okay, I guess I care. I do care a little bit. But um, what I wanted to ask you, so we kept this off. Um, yeah. What do you think or what do you hope to see in the next season? Like just a couple of bullet points, I guess. Um, I think what I'm really hoping to have happen here is I want... I want to see more of like the star wars universe um in like a meaningful way like we went to all these little backwater planets that didn't matter for well they, they matter but you know what i mean like they're just they're backwater planets that exist and they do things in the storyline for mando but take me to more planets and let us get into dig into bigger planets and different planets a bit more like blow that sort of world out like the world universe out and give me more that's going on because i think that's going to really make an interesting story going forward more than just the idea that you know like i want the happy medium of like it's 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 a small universe but it's a it's like a medium-sized universe right like things exist things are going on show me them but don't make it about jedi fighting jedi and all that nonsense if that that makes sense yeah it does yeah. I guess, like, 
continue flashing it out as they have, but like not with just outer rim planets. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. get get into some core worlds and show me what happens with those. Yeah, I I have the same like just because th so this is what happens with at least with me and I think with you too when when it comes to Star Wars, whenever we see things working out well like this, we want more and we want to see the other things that we already love and see what their take is going to be now that we know that we can trust them with this. This is almost like trusting someone with like your son or or something you really treasure <laughs> yeah. and then they, them showing they can take care of it now you want to see what they do with it and so i want to see dave filoni and john favreau's vision of coruscant how does yes. that work i want to yeah. see that like what is their mandalore i want to see that i mean i've seen dave filoni's mandalore on rebels <clears throat> sure. and the same with coruscant but i want to see this in live action right um i want to see uh maybe some sith there Right, not as a main character, like just what they did with Ahsoka and Luke, just like a cameo or something like that. I want to see how they had, how they, what their take on this is. So, like, I want to. I guess I'm saying, I, I, I echo your desire of seeing more of the Star Wars universe in a way that it's not like, oh, a new planet, another new planet, another new planet. Like, I'm fine with that, but show me the stuff that we already know exists, like Tatooine, or like what they did with Tatooine, but like with other things. Yeah. Show me Coruscant. Show me, you know, Coriban. Or it's not Coriban, it's Mustafar now. But you know what I mean. Um, you know, show me show me Exegol. Make it meaningful. Like, yeah. all of those things. Um, I yeah. also want to really... I want to really see the taking back of Mandalore sort of thing. I want to see Mandalore more. I want it to be a, a couple of episodes where they're in, in Mandalore and doing shit and seeing... I, I like that culture so much. Like, it, I've said this before... They're like the dwarves or the like, yeah, like the dwarf paladins of Star Wars, right? The Mandalorians. So I want to see more of that. Dig into their backstory a bit more. Yeah, that's that's yeah. I think where where we'd find the most interest from yeah. from this story. Cool. Um, I think we've uh, we've beaten this to death as much as we could. Uh, is there anything else you want to add? No, I think we've. I think we've completed our epic run on on the stuff i think you know we're kind of done our our uh deep dive into the disney versus star wars section of this um i would agree we might come back and do some other stuff later but i think for now we're kind of done with with that run of of disney's effect on star wars and just to you know it's been a mixed bag um <laughs> very, very much so like the the first couple of movies um were okay um as they went further down the main storyline they got really bad for me personally and there's a lot of people who who have a lot of opinions on this obviously but i just think even if you don't like the way characters were portrayed the movies are a mess from the standpoint of making a movie with a coherent and believable story yeah. and and well do i like that ray was a palpatine no or she took the skywalker name no what i really dislike is the idea that they shat on on previous movies by having to bring back palpatine and having to rely on the same tropes to tell us a story again and again because it makes us it treats us like idiots for the audience yeah, like we can't perceive exactly. anything else and and just to to bring it back to the mixed bag is the mandalorian's been the exact opposite they've treated the audience with knowledge and respect and if you don't get things that's okay but if you do it's an excellent treat into the star wars universe and it's been small stakes, but everything's had real meaning and, and value 
And so, you know, I'm really hopeful that because the movies happened before the Mandalorian, I hope they learned a lot from the Mandalorian and that when they go to do new movies that aren't going to be Skywalker related, which is the blessing right there, that they're able to take what they've learned from the Mandalorian and apply it to to those big movies. So so all of Star Wars becomes something we can all all love. Yeah, and I I think for the movies there was this perceived notion that it needed to be action oriented and you know you say you can say what you will about JJ Abrams but he does set up really good set pieces for action. Yeah, very right. Good. So I mean, it's the same with the Star Trek movies, which is sort of a tangent, but like, we don't need Star Trek movies to be action movies. We don't need Star Wars movies to be action movies. We need them to be what they were. And not only do they kind of fuck up the genre, but they also fuck up the old movies, like you said. So it's, it's yep. it was a double whammy that I can't forgive, really. Well, get excited for J.J. Abrams' take on Superman without Henry Cavill, because that's a thing, apparently. Oh, God. I Yep. Okay, you know what? I don't have time for me to go no, into this we, now. We don't. That's going to be another podcast for <laughs> yeah. sure. And I'm sure we're going to, to going to have a couple of episodes about season three when it's out, and we're going to probably end up talking about all of the other Star Wars stuff because you know this this is who we are. We love this thing as much as they you know abuse us. Sometimes we still come back, and and it pays off like it did with Mandalorian, right? Oh yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, I'm I'm super excited about the way more about the TV series than I have about the movies. Even though Taika Waititi is is directing one, and I'm sure it's going to be great. Um, but I'm I like the longer form for telling the stories because it's such a complex world that you kind of have to compress things when you do it in a movie, and you don't have to do that when you do it in a series. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm super excited for whatever is to come. But I think this is all the time that we had for today. It's an hour and a half long. And I'm uh, uh, thank you for all of those of you who actually got here <laughs> and uh, listened to us rant about this for, half an, for an hour and a half. If you think we should have rented for longer, God knows why. <laughs> or if you think we said anything wrong, God knows why either. Feel free to email us at youroncast at gmail.com. Uh, I mean... You got this far. I'm sure you know how to spell your, right? So just p- please do it right. Maybe, and uh, go ahead. No, maybe they know how to spell. I don't know. But I mean, if they don't know how to spell, I don't care. Just, just leave it at that. Okay, that's fair. Um, but yeah, for the moment, I am Luciano. Uh, well, I'm always going to be Matt, unlike Luciano, whose state is transient. It is? You just said for the moment you're Luciano. I don't know if you're changing. There's a cop. Shut up. You know, just, just, you can have your opinions, but just know, like, just how Matt is wrong about me being transient, about being myself somehow. Just know that your opinions are going to be wrong and everybody's going to be happier for it. We'll see you next time. <laughs>